engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Good evening. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. The full number, if you want to be a part of the program, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I think, honest to goodness, uh, my, my job most days is to come in here and tell you what the big news story of the day is, and oftentimes it is political, and I want to talk about one that is not, and uh, there's a political tie-in, I guess, in that Congressman Sean Duffy uh, who came to fame on MTV as the Lumberjack. I forget which which season of The Real World. I think it was the second season, maybe, of The Real World uh, when I was in high school. Uh, Sean Duffy, he's 47. He's leaving Congress. Uh, we'll get to him. But first, it's Andrew Luck, who is 29 years old and is giving up uh, tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars over time walking away from the NFL, doing so only a couple of weeks before the start of the season. He's getting boos from a lot of his fans, uh, former fans, I guess I should say, uh, feeling like they left him in a bad place. Now, I personally thought that the main reason he's leaving is because O.J. Simpson put him in his fantasy football league as his top pick. And uh, if I were him, I would want to get out of the way and not get the, the black glove treatment from O.J. Simpson, uh, but he is leaving one way or the other, regardless of the situation as to why he's leaving. It, I, I just I want to spend a little bit of time here on the reaction a little bit to him. He is 29 years old. This is a guy who, by all accounts, has it together. He graduated from Stanford. He was widely expected to be the number one NFL draft pick uh, during his junior year in college, walked away from the NFL to finish college, graduated with an architecture degree at Stanford, graduated with top academic and athletic honors at Stanford, which is impressive. Stanford's a really good school. And then he went into the NFL. He went there in 2012 to replace Peyton Manning. That's the the only reason I really keep up with Andrew Luck. Listen, I'm not a huge, if you listen to this program, you know, I love college football and hallelujah, praise the Lord. Jesus smiles upon us. We are back college football. Praise the Lord. We'll get to the NFL, but praise the Lord. College football is back. There's finally something on the weekends to watch on TV. Hallelujah. Um, I like college football. I've never been big on the NFL except I'm from Louisiana. We, we are required under the Napoleonic Code of Louisiana, Section 24.011, to root for Mannings at all time. Uh, we, we had to root for Archie back in the day. The ad when I was growing up in Louisiana was, I'm Archie, you know who, uh, advertising for, a, for, a, um, for an air conditioner company. And we would always have those ads. I'm Archie, you know who? Well, when I was a kid, I didn't know. My father had to explain to me. That's Archie Manning. You are required by the Napoleonic Code in Louisiana to root for the Mannings. You got to root for the Mannings. So I rooted for the Mannings. I've been rooting for the Mannings ever since. I And Peyton Manning was a genuinely good guy. Uh, he was a very, very nice guy. I, I came into contact with him one time in my life. And he was a genuinely kind person, and he is well known to be a kind person. So he is who who is going to replace him? He, he leaves the Colts, and Andrew Luck gets hired. The, now th- this is this is not a a sports commentary here because this is not a sports show, but this is worth talking about because it's actually a really big deal when a twenty nine year old who should be at his prime, who has a multi million dollar contract, walks away from the NFL 
it should be a really big deal. He re-upped a multi-million dollar contract with the NFL. He signed an extension uh, that was um, over $100 million for a number of years. At one time, he was the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. That is a very big deal for him to walk away from something like that. Let me give you his record in the NFL so you have an idea of the type of person we're talking about. Most passing yards in a single game by a rookie quarterback, 433. Most passing yards by a rookie in a single season, 4,374. Most game-winning drives by a rookie quarterback, 7. Most fourth-quarter comebacks by a rookie quarterback, 7. Tied for most fourth-quarter comebacks by a, a quarterback, 7. Most passing yards for a quarterback through his first two seasons, 8,196. Most passing quarterbacks through his first three seasons, 12,688. Most passing quarterbacks for a quarterback through his first five postseason games. Most consecutive 350-yard passing games on the road. Fifth highest passing yards total in a playoff game. First quarterback to throw for more than 350 yards in five consecutive road games. First quarterback to throw for 370 yards or more, four touchdowns, and have a completion percentage, 70% or above in uh, consecutive games. Third player to throw for 3,000 yards in 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 the first nine games alongside Peyton Manning and Drew Brees. It's an impressive record. For a 29-year-old quarterback who started right out of college, it's a very impressive record for this guy, and he's given it all up. The question has to be why. Why do you give all of that up and you make the crowd angry? You do so two weeks before regular season starts. Why do you give it up? So Luck walks away from the game two weeks before the season's supposed to start. Let me give you his injuries in the NFL. He's had a lacerated kidney. He's had a torn abdominal muscle. A shoulder injury kept him out of the entire 2017 season, and there were was evidence it had flared back up. He missed some preseason games. Now he's got an ankle injury that's keeping him out, and he mentioned as much in his press conference that he's tired. He doesn't like the game anymore. He hurts all the time. He wants gone. Now, should he have made that decision ahead of time? Yeah, I think probably so. But apparently his ankle injury is keeping him down and he didn't expect it to. He thought that his ankle injury wouldn't keep him on the sidelines. It's keeping him on the sidelines. By all accounts, he enjoyed the game up until last year. He's also newly married to his longtime girlfriend. In fact, I saw a clip of him. They asked him how it was different being married. And he says, really, she's got a ring on her finger. We've been together for so long. There isn't, there really isn't a lot of difference. Didn't go over well with the press, by the way, that, that statement. But he's also got a new child. I, I think it's notable when someone gives up a career, a, a multi-million dollar career, because he, he doesn't like it anymore. He's willing to give up the money because he doesn't like it anymore. How many of you would give up that much money because you don't like it anymore. I mean, if he sat on the bench for a year, they decided they had to cut him because he couldn't come out, he'd still be getting a lot of money. And he gave it up. Then there's Sean Duffy. Sean Duffy is 47. He's been in Congress since 2011. He has eight children. His wife is Rachel Campos Duffy. They are lovely people. Uh, Very, very nice people. I do know them. He was a district attorney from 2002 to 2010. He went to law school. Uh, He was on MTV Real World. He was a lumberjack. And 
he's quitting Congress. And he released a very touching statement on social media today. And, and of course, this is Washington. There are all sorts of rumors flying. Oh, he had women on the side. There's a scandal. Something. Uh, he, he, let me tell you why he's why he's leaving Congress. He and his wife are devout Catholics. They are having their ninth child. Their ninth child has been diagnosed and will have a heart defect and other disability problems. And he says, you know what? It's time for me to be with my family. It is time. His kids are still all young. He says, it's time for him to be with his family. It's time for him to give this up. Now, a congressman's salary isn't great, uh, but he and his wife have had book deals and speaking engagements, and, and they've been able to make some money while he's in Congress. His wife is a very compelling speaker on social issues. And he's throwing in the towel. He's throwing in the towel on a public career to be with his family, to help raise his children with his wife in Wisconsin. In Wisconsin, of all places, too. You know, this is like Paul Ryan. I mean, say what you will about Paul Ryan, but Paul Ryan was a wonderful dad and husband and refused to have his children live in Washington, D.C. while he had access to power. And now that he's not, uh, doesn't have access to that sort of power anymore. He is moving his family to Washington, uh, but he would go home as much as he could, take his kids hunting, spend all sorts of time. Can't tell you the number of conversations I've had with him where there were kids in the background screaming, Uncle Paul, Uncle Paul, Dad, Dad, when can we go out? Uh, had had his nieces and nephews and kids all there with them. So why start this and why is it the big news of the day? This is why. Because we live in a world where there is all sorts of political drama. What did the stock market do today? What did the stock market do yesterday? What did the president tweet? How did the president's tweets do something? The stock market closed uh, 269 points up. The president says he and China are getting back together. It's reassured the markets. Uh, turmoil last week. Good news today. We'll see what happens tomorrow. What's happening at the G7? What's happening with the Democrats? What's happening with all of these things? Ultimately, you know, life intervenes and life has a way of clarifying what's important and what's not important. And typically on a day-to-day -day basis, the political news cycle isn't that important. So what's going on in your life that's really genuinely important? Here are two people walking away from prominent careers, Sean Duffy on the leadership track among the Republicans in Congress, deciding it's time to go home. His seat is not in jeopardy. He would win again. It is a supremely conservative seat. And Andrew Luck, 29, giving up tens of millions of dollars, not to mention all the endorsement deals. By the way, the, the press made sure to scope out Colin Kaepernick going to the gym today saying, hey, he's going to be available monumental, real important stories today. People walking away from careers. You don't hear about that in the media a lot. Uh, worth focusing on today. And also worth looking at these people, seeing that they're walking away from careers in their prime and makes you wonder about your career and what you're doing. And are you spending the time you should be spending with your family? Are you in a miserable career that maybe you should walk away from? Are you just doing it for the money? Maybe go find something you love. Looks like these people... They're doing things they love. Sean Duffy walking away from Congress because he loves his family more. Andrew Luck walking away from the NFL and tens if not hundreds of millions of dollars because he loves his family and his health more. Puts things in perspective, doesn't it? I got to take a time out here from uh, other stuff because there's actually big breaking news right now you should know about. A judge in Norman, Oklahoma has found Johnson & Johnson responsible for fueling Oklahoma's opioid crisis and has ordered Johnson & Johnson to pay $572 million to redress 
the con- devastating consequences suffered by the state. Uh, Cleveland County District Judge Thad Balkman's landmark decision is the first to hold a drug maker culpable from the fallout of years of liberal opioid dispensing that began in the late 1990s. Now, what's so interesting here is that this lawsuit was filed under the public nuisance law in Oklahoma. That usually is what you use to go for your neighbor who's playing loud music and whatnot. Well, the state says essentially that there was a marketing scheme. This is a direct quote. A marketing scheme was driven by desire to make billions for their pain franchise. To do this, they developed and carried out a plan to directly influence and convince doctors to prescribe more and more opioids, despite the fact that defendants knew increasing the supply of opioids would lead to abuse, addiction, misuse, death, and crime. Uh, This is obviously going to be appealed. Keep in mind, this is a state court. This is not a federal court. I wonder if this guy's got a future political career. Nonetheless, it's a big, big decision coming out of Oklahoma right now uh, to review. A judge has ordered Johnson & Johnson to pay $572 million in the opioid crisis in Oklahoma. It's Eric Erickson here. The phone number, if you would like to be a part of the program, is 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Now, I just real quick, so hang on, I got to get this off the printer. Here we go. Yes, totally unprofessional of me, I realize, but I got distracted. Uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken is joining the plant-based meat craze. It's going to test, Chris Chandler mentioned this in the newscast, a vegan fried chicken in metro Atlanta. The fried chicken chain said it's going to become the first national U.S. quick service restaurant to introduce a plant-based chicken beyond fried chicken in its partnership with Beyond Meat. It's going to test it at its restaurant on Cobb Parkway August 27th. So tomorrow, it's going to test the vegan fried chicken. It'll uh, The options will be chicken nuggets and boneless wings. Listen, if you want to go eat vegan chicken, uh, go eat vegan chicken or just eat tofu. I, I don't care. Um, it's a silly craze, I think, respond to the, responding to the religious angst within the secular community about global warming and whatnot, that they're trying to do this. But here's the thing. Let's not kid ourselves. The reason Chick-fil-A is doing this is they got to find a way in with Popeye's and Kentucky Fryer, Chick-fil-A and Wendy's. You got Wendy's, Popeye's and, and KFC or Chick-fil-A fighting now over this fried chicken sandwich. And apparently Popeye's is sold out everywhere. A buddy of mine in Charlotte, North Carolina today actually went out at lunch and was going to go to Popeye's and try to get it and figured, you know, if I go in the uh, Monday in the middle of the day, I'll be okay. There was a line down the block traffic tied up at a major intersection because people were trying to get into Popeye's to try their spicy fried chicken sandwich. I I don't look, this is Popeye's fried chicken. If you never had Popeye's fried chicken, the Publix and Popeyes are like the only two decent restaurants in America to get good fried chicken. KFC is not on the list. Go to your local Publix. I don't know what Publix does with its fried chicken, but I'm just telling you, Publix can make themselves some fried chicken. And Popeyes has great fried chicken. Get the spicy. 
Uh, it, it's good stuff. So I'm interested to try the sandwich. Wendy's has a very good spicy chicken sandwich, by the way. I actually don't like the Chick-fil-A spicy chicken sandwich as much as Wendy's. Um, it's the breading, uh, but nonetheless, it's just a vegan, vegan chicken nuggets. Really? They got to do something to differentiate themselves in the market. I guess uh, I, I'll tell you who else is doing something to differentiate himself. We do need to get into a bit of raw politics here. The president and his allies have begun to target journalists. Now I'm going to put this in perspective for you. Journalists are really, uh, outraged by this. Let me read you a paragraph from the New York times story. Using the journalistic techniques, using journalistic techniques to target journalists and news organizations as retribution for or as a warning not to pursue coverage critical of the president is fundamentally different from the well-established role of the news media in scrutinizing people in positions of power. That's the spin from the New York Times. And that paragraph comes in response to a quote from a Republican Uh, Sam Nunberg, who worked for Donald Trump, he says, two can play this game. The media has long targeted Republicans with deep dives into their social media, looking to caricature all conservatives and Trump voters as racists. And then the New York Times says, but using journalistic techniques to target journalists and news organizations as retribution for or a warning not to pursue critical coverage of the president is fundamentally different. No, see, here's the problem. Remember Joe the Plumber? Joe the plumber was a blue-collar plumber who liked Sarah Palin. And he said something favorable about Sarah Palin on TV in 2008 when she was John McCain's running mate. And the media tried to destroy the guy. He actually built a successful political career for temporary political career out of it. But the media tried to destroy him. Remember the grandmother down in Florida? Um, The guy from CNN showed up at her house because she had shared a meme on Facebook that was actually from a Russian troll farm. She had no idea. It was protesting Hillary Clinton. They showed up, put her face on camera, and shamed her for sharing something. She was a 60, 70-something-year-old grandmother. She had no idea. Or the guy in New York City, the blue-collar worker, the Daily Beast, put his name out there, said where he worked, tried to ruin his life and career because he put up a video on Facebook that was slowed down to make Nancy Pelosi look like there was something really wrong with her? Or remember the guy who put out the meme of CNN that showed the president knocking out CNN or blowing him out of the sky or something, and they threatened to publicly out him if he didn't apologize and delete it? Or you, you've got the K-file at CNN, which goes back, we'll go back 20 years and find the politicians conflicting statements and say, hey, look, hypocrite, 20 years ago they said this and now they're saying this. And suddenly the media doesn't like it when you do that. Oh, but there's a, there's an even better story out there. Y'all, um, this, is a, this is a problem. And let me tell you about the latest story, Business Insider has a story out that the family behind In-N-Out Burger, if you've never heard of In-N-Out Burger, on the internet at least, In-N-Out has a cult following. Uh, compared to Whataburger, it sucks. Uh, people in California think otherwise. There, Hands down, there is there is fast food chains. In-N-Out is basically steak and shake. Whataburger is better. But In-N-Out has a cult following in California. It's like people have never had a hamburger before. And they go to In-N-Out. They're, oh, my gosh, it's In-N-Out. It's so good. Not really. Too much mustard, if you ask me. But the family is a Christian family. It is a privately held corporation. And they've donated to Donald Trump. And Business Insider today wants you to know 
want you to know that if you eat an In-N-Out burger, the 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 owners have given money to Donald Trump, and it's actually a fairly insignificant amount, all things being equal. Um, and then in um Georgia, you've got the media relentlessly targeting Chick Fil A's family, and they routinely talk about where Chick-fil-A gives money and you shouldn't eat at Chick-fil-A. I mean, y'all, I work with people who won't eat at Chick-fil-A because of the Kathy family giving money to Christian organizations. There are people who actually do that because they're so opposed politically to what uh, Dan Kathy does with the family money on his own, own time that they won't eat at Chick-fil-A. I, I work with people like that. And the media is willing to target these companies. CNBC has an article out today on how you can find out if a company you support, if their uh, major shareholders or their major executives give money to Donald Trump. You know, the guy responsible for um, uh, Equinox Gems and SoulCycle, big cult following in New York for SoulCycle, he's supporting Donald Trump through a fundraiser for Donald Trump. The media wanted to destroy him. Or look at Julian Castro. Julian Castro. He outed a bunch of people in San Antonio, Texas, small business owners who gave money to Donald Trump, and the media said it was it's fair game. It's fair game. I mean, these are public disclosures. That's all he's doing is, is he's just using public disclosures. And now suddenly uh, the media is really upset about Donald Trump and company going on social media and finding old tweets from reporters. In fact, they're going out and they're finding old tweets from when some of these reporters were in college showing that they hate Donald Trump, hate Republicans, hate conservatives, they're progressives. The media's how dare you go back to college? Remember Elizabeth Lawton? Elizabeth Lawton was a congressional staffer who thought Sasha and Malia Obama were being disrespectful to their dad in their behavior and dress at a press conference. And on her private Facebook page that you couldn't see unless you were a friend, she commented as much. And one of the people who was a friend of hers on Facebook screenshotted it and circulated it to the press. CNN, among other networks, not only hounded her out of her congressional job, essentially demanding she be fired, they showed up at her parents' house and wanted to demand answers about why she would do something like that. This was a private person on her private Facebook page, and they destroyed her career over this. And now the media is outraged that someone's doing it to them. Maybe if a few journalists who have been doing these sorts of things finally lose their jobs, maybe they'll stop. I don't think that's actually going to happen, though. I think they'll just escalate it. But this isn't on President Trump. This is on the media for having done this. They started it. Donald Trump intends to finish it. Whether you like it or not, you cannot deny the media has been using their power the past few years to target and regularly harass private citizens because of their politics. And that's wrong. And maybe this will stop it. Maybe. I'm not hopeful, though. That's part of the problem here is I'm not dramatically hopeful that anything's going to change, but maybe. Hey, happy birthday to State Representative Michael Caldwell running for the State Senate. Michael Caldwell, great guy, running for the State Senate up in the Woodstock area. Wonderful guy. Uh, man, I hate that I've reached the age where so many politicians are younger than me. He's turning 30. 
Um, but happy birthday to Michael Caldwell. Also, if you are in the Coweta County area and you haven't decided, uh, Philip Singleton is running for David Stover's seat down there. There's a special election. Uh, you're going to want to vote for Philip Singleton. That's who you're going to want to vote for. Uh, if you don't vote for Philip Singleton, a Democrat may get in the race, and Philip is better than any of the other candidates running. So please vote for Phil- Philip Singleton if you're down there. Now, David Ralston's pouring money into stopping because Singleton would be someone who would stand up against Ralston. Another reason to vote for Philip Singleton is because of that issue. So, Philip Singleton, when we come back, did you hear what Nick Saban had to say? It's not a sports show, I promise. You really got to hear this. It is Eric Erickson here, Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. The phone number, if you want to be a part of the program, 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. I, I want to begin with something a little bit out of the box here. Uh, we we talk about grace and forgiveness and in, in giving people second chances on this program on occasion when it comes up in the news, and it really made the news big today. Um, and I, I need to ask your forgiveness in advance. Uh, I, I'm, this is a, it's, I gotta, I gotta get you guys to give me some grace for what I'm about to do. I'm about to play Nick Saban audio. So just, just don't, don't, don't come to my house and burn it down for, playing something and saying something favorable about Nick Saban. Uh, this this is relevant. I want you to hear this. This is Saban at a press conference um, today. Clay Travis, the radio show host and, and TV personality, sports commentator, put this on social media, and I want you to listen to what Saban has to say about Alabama football players uh, getting in trouble. You know, there, there's always a lot of criticism out there when somebody does something wrong, everybody wants to know how you're going to punish the guy. All right, but there's not enough for 19 and 20 year old kids, people out there saying, why don't you give them another chance? All right, so I'm going to give a speech right now about this. Like, where do you want them to be? Guy makes a mistake. Where do you want them to be? You want them to be in the street? Or do you want them to be here graduating? You know, when I was over there at the Nagurski, Musin Muhammad, who played 15 years for the Carolina Panthers, played for me at Michigan State. Everybody in the school, every newspaper guy, everybody was killing a guy because he got in trouble and said there's no way he should be on our team. I didn't kick him off the team. I suspended him. I made him do stuff. He graduated from Michigan State. He played 15 years in the league. All right, he's a president of a company now. And he has seven children, and his oldest daughter goes to Princeton. So who was right? I feel strong about this now, really strong. All right, about all the criticism out there of every guy that's 19 years old that makes a mistake, and you all kill him. And then some people won't stand up for him. So my question to you is, where do you want them to be? You want to condemn them? 
to a life sentence? Or do you want the guy to have his children going to Princeton? You want to close on that or we want to just... That was Nick Saban uh, speaking at a press conference. Uh, Alabama player gets in trouble, and where do you want him to be? And he's right. A player gets in trouble once. Uh, We've seen this even here in Georgia and and elsewhere on on various teams, basketball, football. Players caught doing drugs, marijuana typically, and they're thrown off the team. And that's it. They're, They're done after that. And there's something to be said for wisdom in what Saban says. Yeah, they need to be punished. They, they, something needs to happen to them. You don't just want to affirm them, in particular because if they're good, they're going to then get into professional sports where no one's ever controlled them. No one has ever um, corrected them. No one has ever challenged them to improve. You kick them off the team, and they're not going to have that. You keep them on the team with a responsible coach, and not all coaches are responsible. And I realize there are a lot of people who would say, you know what, Saban only turns a blind eye when it, when it's his good players. There will be people who say that. But he's got a good point here. The, the immediate refusal to offer any grace and say, yes, he screwed up, but give him a second chance and see if he can improve. Uh, and it's really bad with the media. This gives back to the past hour. It, before I get there, though, and by the way, there's actually a story today. It was in the Augusta Chronicle uh, this morning that gas prices are being projected to be declining in Georgia, which means that you're, if you win this contest, you'll have more money uh, going the distance for gas money. Now, back to say, but this gets into the last, last hour. Uh, if you didn't tune in the last hour, the president is allowing his allies to develop a media counter-operation where essentially they go after members of the media who have spent years bashing conservatives. Oftentimes, I don't think people realize that a lot of members of the mainstream media graduated from left-wing think tanks. Like Ezra Klein at Vox, for example, he was a a left-wing blogger, uh, wrote for a left-wing publication, went to the Washington Post. Uh, They gave him the veneer of objectivity. He left to go form Vox. It's a completely left-wing organization. And there are lots of others out there. Um, Daniel Dale, who is uh, the fact checker now at CNN, who often laments the lack of fact checking on the president. He was on reliable sources doing that. Um, This guy's a, a partisan progressive. And this is throughout the media. And one of the things that you see often with this is they don't want to give people second chances. You know, this this goes back to, I've mentioned before, C.S. Lewis, when asked the difference between all the religions on the earth, what separates Christianity from the others? He says, Christianity is the only religion with the concept of grace. And I even find myself sometimes having to remind myself, you know, you, you got to show grace to people. Here's Saban saying, what do you want? The media, it's good for ratings for the media to have scandal. It is good for the media to to have stuff like this. The media gets to blow this stuff up. The media gets to condemn a college kid. I mean, look at the look at the USA Today story a while back of the college kid who was up for was it Heisman? I think I can't remember the specific details last year. Um, and the media savaged the kid because of things he put on social media when he was 16 years old. Why is that not the same standard for the media? The media wants to tell you that they are above this. They have to be held to a higher standard. But this isn't just about politics. 
You've got high school kids, they're going into college, they're getting scholarships, they're going into the NFL, and the media drums up social media tweets from when they were 16, 17 years old. The internet is forever, and the media uses that to build scandal where there is no scandal, to try to ruin kids. No grace, no redemption. The only way to redeem is to profusely apologize and say, you know what, media, uh, I was right. I, I was a conservative, and now I'm a progressive. Uh, I was a Christian, and now I'm a secularist. I used to believe your preferred social policy was bad because it, the Bible says so, and now I know that actually the Bible is bad, and, and your hedonistic lifestyle is actually the one that's great. I'm so sorry for being so close-minded. Um, that's, that's, that's the problem that, that is the real issue here. There's no grace in the media. So good for Saban for standing up that I, that actually way hijacked beyond what I wanted to talk about there, but I definitely think it's, it's worth talking about the phone number here, by the way, I don't even know if I gave it out. Uh, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. It is Eric Erickson here. We need to talk about, uh, whether or not you support placing bets on sports in Georgia, the legislature, they're convening a committee tomorrow actually to talk about this. And it looks like the Hawks, the Braves and the Falcons are in support of the, of allowing sports betting in Georgia. I'll give you the details when we come back right now, Eric, I want to go to you. Welcome. Hey, Eric. Thanks for taking my call. So uh, I, I completely agree with Nick Saban, and first and foremost, I am a dog fan. But I also have to say that if I weren't given a second chance, I would have never made it in the military. I would have never made it into my profession of cybersecurity, and I wouldn't be making a quarter of a million dollars a year. So I think in society we are so quick, especially when these kids are in the spotlight, to just cast them to the side for making a, a mistake. Um, I believe everybody should get, have a chance to redeem themselves. That's what we're taught. Uh, at least I, I've i been taught that as a Christian. Well, you know, Eric, you make a good point here, uh, in addition to having an awesome name, um, that so much now, particularly in sports and in college sports, a lot of these kids are... They're expendable, and, and coaches treat them as expendable. Marketers treat them as expendable. The NCAA yep. sure as heck treats them as expendable. I mean, they, they want to use their images to make a ton of money for the NCAA, and they're not allowed to make anything. And it, it's That's just, right. it, and then they make one screw up, and suddenly you're off the team. Your life is ruined. They're not going to finish college. Their scholarships revoked. They couldn't otherwise go to college. It really Absolutely. is unfortunate. And it's the media it that does this so much. Um, the media, and, and I'm sorry to cut you off there. I'm, I'm, I was pressing the button as you were starting to talk again. The media does this to kids. You can look in in the sports world. You can look. I mean, for Pete's sake, people. You had that football player who was getting an award and some guy at USA Today decided to go back to his social media feed from when he was 16 years old and dredge up homophobic quotes. He called a friend the F word. <gasps> he apo- The kid apologized, and that wasn't good enough for the media. Why did you leave that stuff up? Well, because he's... He's several years older now, and he forgot about all that stuff when he was... And, you know, there is a maturity level among kids where a switch flips. I mean, when you're 15, 16, you know, there actually is a a maturity level difference between a 16-year-old and an 18-year-old. You know, we're, I'm going through that with my kids right now, you know. I, so I've got a, I got a 13-year-old. She'll be 14 on Wednesday. And I've got a 10-year-old. And my 10-year-old son 
is less mature, and I don't mean this in an insulting way to him. He's just he, he's a boy, and he's he doesn't have the maturity level that my daughter had when she was ten. She's the oldest child and a daughter, and girls tend to develop maturity a little more than boys at that age. And but at some point, a switch flips. And it all comes on. And to hold a meet, hold a kid accountable, and I see people blowing up saving for saying they're 19, they're not kids. Yes, they still are to a degree. They still are. They're still learning. It is Eric Erickson. The phone number, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. If you want to be on the program, the state of Georgia is considering allowing sports betting. They're having a meeting tomorrow at SunTrust Park. We'll get to that. But first, David and Marietta, I want to get to you. Welcome. David? Hello. Hey there. Hey, I'm sorry. How are you doing? Doing well. How are you? Good, good. Yeah, I just wanted to point out that um, it seems like a lot of these athletes are so coddled all the way through. If you have an athlete that shows any level of exceptionalism all the way even back to eighth grade, they pretty much are coddled all the way through. So when they hit college, they're still being given everything. So for them to screw up, I'm, I'm, a, I'm surprised more don't really screw up bad because they pretty much have been told they do no wrong. And I think it's the best thing in the world for Saban to do that, to say, hey, you messed up. Here's your punishment and make it a good punishment, but let him back on the team because that's the only way they're going to learn. They're not going to learn. It's almost like they're playing into their deficit of saying, look, you screwed up. You're a no good kid. Get out of here. And then that kind of plays into that long story of, you know, down the road, you're, you're falling apart because of, you know, all that. But yeah. I just, I agree with what Saban's talking about. Yeah, I, I do. And, you know, there's something here, David, you said that there are very few of them who screw up. A lot of times you, you talk to some of these athletic programs, they cover it up. So you never know uh, how many are screwing up. And That's it's, true. I That's think it's true. good. I mean, look at Kirby Smart as well at Georgia. He's done a very good job of disciplining kids, giving them a second chance. But if they continue to mess up, throwing them off the team. And you certainly do see media pressure, even in those situations. There have been some infamous ones in Georgia where the media is just like, hey, why aren't you going to throw this kid off the team? Well, he screwed up. Give him another chance. Let him try to build some character. Uh, And, you know, Charlie reminded me also there was the instance recently of the kid who won the championship game and uh, the media started asking questions about things he had tweeted years before. He was completely caught off guard. He wanted to talk about winning the championship. The media wanted to talk about a tweet they found incendiary from multiple years prior to winning the game. It's ridiculous. Okay, we got to talk about sports betting. Um, and this, this is contentious for some of my friends who are deeply unhappy with me on this issue. I will tell you, uh, that I am vehemently opposed to casinos in the state of Georgia and I couldn't care less about, um, going on and letting people place sport bets at the brave stadium. I keep wanting to say Turner field. Uh, I'm sure I can't be alone in that. I, I refuse to say truest, whatever that garbage name is going to be. Um, but at, at the brave stadium at Mercedes Benz stadium and at uh, state farm arena, essentially one of the proposals out there is people who are going to the games. There would be a designated area where people go, go in kind of like you go into Las Vegas and you place bets either on that game or on other games. I really don't have a problem with this. 
I, I don't want a casino in Georgia. There are a host of social ills that come from casinos. There are a host of social ills that come from standalone, fixed uh, entertainment venues that focus on gambling. But if you want an area off to the side where people who want to place bets on sports can place bets on sports, it's happening online right now everywhere. Now, some of my friends will text me and say, well, you know, San Francisco sets aside places to give people clean needles who are shooting up with heroin. Should we do that here in Georgia as well? No, there's a big fundamental difference. It's not illegal to place a bet on sports in the overwhelming majority of this nation. And hey, your legislature just legalized recreational marijuana and didn't intend to. So maybe they could do this and actually think through the process deliberatively. So they're not opening the the state up to a host of other things. And maybe they can reconsider what they've done with the hemp stuff as well um, if, if they want to rein things in. But don't give me the, well, you want to just give people illegal drugs? No, there's actually a huge difference here. And I think it would help conservatives in honest debate to be willing to distinguish between them. Uh, I, I really do. There is a big difference there. Uh, there's also big night and day differences around Atlanta between 4 p.m. traffic and 5. Let's go check it. Uh, y- y'all, just just to go back to the sports betting thing, uh, listen, let, let's, let's not m- mince words here. There are members of our legislature who want to build casinos in Georgia, and for a host of reasons I have talked about in the past, casinos in Georgia would be a terrible idea. You know the very first venues that would be hurt by casinos? The Fox Theater, uh, Tabernacle, uh, your smaller music venues around the state. Do you know why? Because every time they structure a casino bill in Georgia, one of the things they do is they require to alleviate the consciences of the good Baptists who don't want to go to hell, uh, but want to support casinos in Georgia. They say that you got to get a certain amount of your money from entertainment venues. And so they build entertainment venues. They give uh, discount rates to performers to come in and it kills local venues. It kills venues like the Fox. It kills venues like the Tabernacle. It kills all sorts of venues in the state of Georgia. It also kills local restaurants because these casinos do, in fact, tend to bring in very good restaurants. And so your local steakhouses close, your, your local specialty sushi shops, man, say that a bunch, they close up shop. Uh, your, your local nice restaurants begin to have an impact by the casino. Uh, they bring in a host of social ills as well. There's a reason Vegas is in the desert. You don't want that in Georgia. But honestly, if you want to set aside a, a, an area at SunTrust Park where you're there for the game, you want to make a bet instead of getting on your cell phone and trying to make a bet, uh, you're going into this room, you're watching games from across the country and you're making bets. I, I don't care. I mean, maybe if you if you build a venue at Sanford Stadium where people can bet on college football games, uh, you may be able to see some tuition impact at, at UGA. I have no idea. But seriously, I think they're different, and it we should acknowledge they're different. We should acknowledge that there is no research out there that shows these sorts of sports betting venues bring the social ills that fixed casinos bring, even uh, riverboat casinos bring. There is a, a real difference between the two, and I just I don't care. Um, if you want to if you want to do this, Georgia Lottery is meeting tomorrow Tuesday, uh, and you want to know who else wants to do this? They're going to have representatives from the Braves, the Falcons, and the Hawks at this meeting to discuss it. And word I'm hearing is that they want to do it too. They think they can make some money out of this as well as the state. Uh, I'm okay with it. I'm not going to go, but it doesn't bring the social costs 
that a casino would bring. And if that need, if that's what the legislature needs to do to scratch the itch, let them scratch that itch that way. It is Eric Erickson here. Uh, you know, I am just struck by the city of Atlanta still dealing with this homelessness issue downtown and businesses complaining. The city of Rome, Georgia, has now passed an ordinance. It should have been controversial. The, a lot of people tried to make it controversial. Banning urban camping. Have you heard of urban camping? It's what progressives are calling homeless people sleeping on the streets now. I kid you not. Um, what an immoral, immoral philosophy to decide your homelessness is not a problem because it's where they want to be. Uh, good for Rome doing this. The city of Atlanta needs to step up and clean up downtown.